1: Welcome to episode 118 of the Highly Relevant Podcast, a U.S. Latino show where I interview the people and discuss the moments that are shaping our American and Latino pop culture. Well, on this week's show, Mike Sargent, good friend of the show, and I give you our first reaction from inside the theater of the first New York press screening of the new X-Men film, Dark Phoenix. Then I interview Marquise Rodriguez. In case you don't know who he is... You will know his name because he's not only one of the five young actors in Netflix's new controversial miniseries, When They See Us, from director Ava DuVernay, but he's also going to be in HBO's Game of Thrones prequel, which is currently filming in Europe right now, and I'll be talking to him from the set. And of course, I gotta ask him about the show, so you know I'm gonna be uh, going there. By the way, not sure what you're doing this weekend, But there's a good reason to stay in. Here, let me explain. There's a lot of great TV, and I think my eyes are gonna, like, literally fall off with so much TV uh, this weekend. I mean, you got the Women's World Cup. You got the NBA Finals Game 4, which is all drama. You got Black Mirror Season 5, I believe. The Handmaid's Tale on Season 3 on Hulu. And then Sunday's gonna be lit. You got the season finale of Billions, the premiere of Big Little Lies on HBO, um, and I also just personally got the new Captain Marvel on Blu-ray. My wife hasn't seen it, so we're going to watch it again. Uh, and uh, ABC just sent me four episodes of Grand Hotel. But hey, before I get to Marquise Rodriguez, it's time to give you a weekly pop culture news recap in a segment I like to call Jacked Jacked In. <laughs> Let's begin with the top movie news of the week. Cinderella starring Camila Cabello will open February 5th, 2021. Aladdin source passed $500 million at the global box office. Thousands of Marvel fans signed petition to bring back Tony Stark. Comedian Ricky Valles has joined Judd Apatow and Pete Davidson's new summer comedy. And Slamdance Miami will give rise to new Latino filmmakers. In TV news, Comedy Central to roast Alec Baldwin. Fox's Empire will not include Jesse Smollett for its final season. There's a punky Brewster TV sequel in the works. Netflix's Black Mirror Season 5 is out now and Stars has extended the run of its show. For Spanish Princess. In podcast news, the Obamas Inca a deal with Spotify to produce and host podcasts. Apple has now added full text search in its new podcast app. The podcast industry is expected to create one billion dollars in annual revenue by 2021. And NBC's Dateline will be turned into a podcast. And in tech and social media news, Apple's iTunes is no more and has been broken up into three categories. Instagram is about to include more ads in your feed. Google Stadia game service is officially coming in November. Robocalls can now. Get blocked by your phone carrier by default and YouTube to remove thousands of videos pushing extreme views.
0: Something's happening to me when I lose control. Bad things happen. But it feels good.
1: What you're about to hear next is a segment I like to call First Reaction. It's an immediate reaction to a film as the end credits are still rolling. I feel a first reaction is the purest form of obtaining a judgment on something you just experienced. So without any further delays, here is our first reaction to X-Men's Dark Phoenix. Hey, it's Jack Rico and here's Mike Sargent. We, he, we are here at the AMC Lincoln Square. Um, just finished watching Dark Phoenix, the latest X-Men venture from, from Fox. The last. The last. That's right. Because now it's being acquired by Disney. I mean, was this the best way to go? Or was this a regrettable mistake by Fox putting well, out this movie? Well, you know,
0: I wouldn't say this is a regrettable mistake. Because to put it in context, you know, the X-Men had a pretty good run. You know, the first two films are great. Third film, piece of crap. But then they rebooted the whole thing. X-Men uh, Days of Future Past was pretty great. Okay, X-Men First Class was okay. Days of Future Past was great. Uh, The last one, what was that called? It was the one with Oscar Isaac. Yeah, that was really bad. Oh, my God, that That was one of the worst ones. That was was when you finally, like, superhero movies the way you always imagined they'd be, where, like, (laughs) you feel it's a bunch of people, actors, walking around playing dress-up. That was the last X-Men movie. (laughs) That's what it looked like. That's what it felt like. So, it was a stupid Like, you went,
1: (laughs) the costumes were so bad. It's like you would walk into a Halloween store and kind of just buy a couple of costumes.
0: And a pop-up Halloween
1: so what do we think of Dark Phoenix? Well,
0: How do, where does it rank amongst the, the good ones, or was this just a bad movie? Like, what, what, what were your thoughts on the film? Alright, my thoughts on the film were this. I thought that, uh, I thought it was okay. I think it has a few things going against it. One, we've already seen the story told before, so it's sort of like when the, the new Star Trek reboot had, you know, Kirk die instead of Spock dying, or whatever. Okay, so, at the same time, I thought I don't like all these actors as the characters, especially Phoenix and Cyclops, who are central to the story. I really didn't feel their connection. I know it's written in the script. So I didn't care as much about them as I did in in the original series. So going in, it has that going against it. I thought this was okay. It kind of went for the Chris Nolan ending as mm-hmm, opposed to the end, mm-hmm. end game ending, where, like, you know, all superheroes go off into the sunset by sitting in a cafe in Europe. Okay, right. that's what happened. So <laughs> I, I, I think that that, that part I, I enjoyed. So it's not terrible, it's not as bad as the last one, it's not a terrible way to go. It's just okay.
1: I, I thought that this movie had a lot of great entertainment value. It understood exactly how to set up a great action scene sequence. Um, I thought that the CGI was pretty good. I, I thought that the setups were pretty good. It never disappointed in terms of the sci-fi action, uh, in terms of the, the, the storyline. might not have been original, but it was good comfort food. And I thought that... Compared to the last X Men, this was so much better, um, no, and nice. and so no comparison. So I thought that this one in particular uh, is a good watch in terms of paying your money and getting your yes. your 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 reward, getting your kicks, yes. uh, the a bang for your buck. So yes. in terms of that, I thought Dark Phoenix actually accomplished a good uh, night out at the movies.
0: I, I agree, and what's interesting is here. As we're moving into the quote unquote post Me Too era, Mm -hmm. you know, they really focused in on Phoenix's origin here and like how she came to be part of Xavier's special school. And that was a really a smart move because you're supposed to care about her. I really don't know that this actress really for me, has the presence she needs. Sophie Tucker? Sophie Turner. I don't know if Sophie Turner really has it. I'm I'm thinking about the singer Sophie Tucker. I I (laughs) I don't know if Sophie Turner really has it for me. She's okay, but it's been such an ensemble piece for her to all of a sudden take center stage. She needs a little more oomph. That's right For, does that make any sense? Hey, here? it's Jack Rico and
1: Mike Sargent. We're here giving you our first reaction yes. of Dark Phoenix before as they kick the us out. before they kick us out because they already got the ushers uh, in here. lights are on we're about to head on out but um incredible sophie turner uh queen of the north in game of thrones and now one of the most powerful beings in the universe she's one of the hottest actresses interestingly enough jennifer Jennifer lawrence was here now she's an a-list star but in these x-men movies she's like an afterthought um something happens to her in this film and i kind of just wanted to understand from your part jennifer lawrence in this particular movie uh just was a bit disappointing. Well, in a way, it's sort of. She was of... a flash in the pan in here, man. I she... just feel like like there was no need to have her. This was felt artificial, felt contractual, almost transactional.
0: It... Definitely felt contractual. It's like she was contracted to be in here, and she's kind of what ties the, the old X Men and the new X Men mm-hmm, together, really. Mm-hmm. So she's really that t- unifying force. Sort of like Leonard Nimoy in the new right. uh, uh, reboots, for her to bring Star Trek in again. Uh, you know, so I thought she was okay, there, but you're right; she didn't really have much to do. And you know, if superheroes were not the genre du jour, <laughs> right, she probably would have said no. Absolutely. And then uh, probably one of the best parts of the film was
1: Michael Fassbender as Magneto, who returns. And man, this guy, I could watch a whole movie on Magneto, a trilogy, a whole franchise of Magneto. uh,
0: And I think they should probably just give him his own movie. Uh, listen, Michael Fassbender has a lot of screen presence. You know, they don't bring him into like uh, halfway through the second act, and you're like, oh, that's right, Magneto.
1: But yeah. Why don't we, why Why isn't there a Magneto spinoff? Just him alone?
0: Because they weren't that creative.
1: <laughs> well, overall, we think that Dark Phoenix, well, I in particular, I enjoy Dark Phoenix. I know it has its problems. Uh, a gentleman that was next to me told me that the dialogue was a bit clunky. But, you know, here we go again, uh, critics, you know, it's nitpicking to the point of uh, not understanding, yeah, of just being critical and not understanding the movie going experience for the regular casual movie goer. Like he's talking like a critic as opposed to a movie goer. Movie goers like, I understood the dialogue. Uh, I know exactly what this movie is, and I enjoyed what it
0: offered, uh, which was me escaping for two hours, being sucked into this, and so I thought it did a good job with that. Mike. For two hours, I believe that actor on screen was the president, not Trump. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was good. And with that said, uh,
1: that was Dark Phoenix. This is First Reaction, and we'll, guide, we'll catch you on the, on the next one. And before I talk to Marquise Rodríguez, here are three tracks you might want to add to your playlist this weekend. Love Through the Computer, Gucci Mane, featuring Justin Bieber. <laughs> Qué bueno. Noah signs. I feel good going up and all around. Enjoy yourself. Charles Goose. I won't let you hold
0: me down.
1: Marquise Rodriguez, he's just 21 years old. He's an actor born in Brooklyn, New York, from a Puerto Rican mother, and he's already accomplished more than most 21 year olds. He played Daryl in Marvel's Netflix series Luke Cage. He appeared with Ryan Reynolds in the film Definitely Maybe, has been cast in HBO's highly anticipated Game of Thrones prequel, and is currently starring in Netflix's When They See Us from Ava DuVernay. He plays Raymond Santana, one of the kids jailed for a crime they didn't commit. What's going on with my son?
2: Your son was involved in a rape in Central Park. Uh No, no,
1: no, wait a minute, wait a second, wait a second. Marquis Rodriguez plays Raymond Santana in the new Netflix miniseries, When They See Us, from director Ava DuVernay. He joins me now. And as I understand it, you're uh, filming a a TV show right now, huh?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I guess uh, I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not allowed to say. Well, (laughs) from what we
1: know from the press, uh, you're at the set of the HBO prequel uh, of Game of Thrones, which we will talk about. But for now, um, I really wanted to ask you, you're now a part of this new controversial, very topical, very contemporary show um, called When They See Us from director Ava DuVernay, uh, which has already uh, come out on Netflix. And it's stirred up a lot of people. You know, these are one of the shows. This is when you understand the power of television. But before we talk about that, I wanted to kind of find out when you first heard about the Central Park Five story.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I I've known about their story for a long time now. I'm born and raised in New York. I grew up in in Bed in Brooklyn. Uh, so you know, I think it was my mom sort of told me about the story when I was when I was really young. I think it was important to her that I that I it, it was important to her then. It's important to her now that I am aware of stories like this. I think that uh, at least in her eyes, it was in an effort to sort of keep me safe to make sure that I was was you know aware of these sorts of gross miscarriages of justice. Um, and I think that, and I agree with her. I think you have to know, you have to know these things about your, about your city and about your country, about, you know, your state, uh, to, to keep to keep yourself safe, you have to actively arm yourself against, you know, these sorts of injustices.
1: Now, did you ever at any point when you got the gig, did you ever meet Raymond Santana? And what was that like for you?
2: The first time I met Raymond was at the table read for, for episode one, I believe we just for the first episode
1: wow were you freaking um, out man was it was that like very yeah. tense to kind of be like i'm in front of the guy who i'm playing
2: yeah it was it was absolutely insane i mean the, that was the very first time i'd ever read the full script out loud and i was sitting directly next to raymond santana so it was it was really heavy but i think it, it was important that that's how i started this process because it immediately uh sort of informed the rest of of what the project would be for me which is this you know immense responsibility to tell the story and and tell it well and tell it true um, and Raymond was incredibly helpful he was, you know he was incredibly generous and, and 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 willing to share with me and to make sure you know that I was able to that I was able to to do well
1: did you at any moment feel anxiety tension stress uh, the burden of having to be on the money with your performance for this show mm-hmm. and how did you deal with all of that
2: uh yeah you know i i think it, it never manifested as as anxiety it, it, it did feel it, it was a, it, it is a burden it, it, it's a burden to 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 be telling someone's story and and to be telling the truth about their story for one of the one of the first times at least um and to have and to have it you know it it, it meant a lot to, to these to these five minutes so it was a burden to get it right but i think that you know Ava created such an incredible environment um, on set. And, and it was such an environment of, of kindness and love and light. Um, and I felt incredibly supported. Um, you know, if I ever came to Ava feeling insecure, I mean, I remember specifically once I, I sort of was feeling insecure about about a take we had gotten and, and we stopped and moved on. And I asked Ava, you know, if that was OK. And she said, I wouldn't have moved on uh, if, if I didn't feel like that was your best work. Oh, I wow. kept going until I got the best from you. And that is so incredibly important to me. That moment, to to know that I was being taken care of in that way, was you know invaluable. So I think that yes, it was a burden, and yes, you know, it it was it was hard work, but but it was it was made so much easier. The burden was made so much lighter by by the amazing people that I was surrounded by every single day.
1: What did you learn from this experience as a person?
2: Uh, You know, I think I think I just I learned I learned how how important it is you know, it's, it's 20, it's 2019. We have, we have, we have immediate access to to so much information. And I think I just, I I really, I just got thinking a lot about how important it is to actively arm yourself against injustice. You know, I've said it before, but we, we have to, you know, we have to seek out the knowledge that, that, that will, will, especially people of color that will keep us safe. Um, I think about, you know, if how this story would have been different if if you know these these young boys uh you know knew their rights if they were allowed access to 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 that to that knowledge if they knew what these these people were doing was just all of it was wrong from top to bottom all of it was illegal um so i think that's something that that i've known for a while i mean that was really reinforced uh in me with this project it's just the importance of that.
1: What's going on? I mean, nobody, finished. nobody told me about it. I got it. I was finished for a while.
2: What's
1: going on here? Don't worry about it.
2: Okay, Okay, so, so uh, Antron held her down while Kevin was raping her, right? Wait, yeah. wait. wait what, right. Are t- what are you right. talking about? Pop, stop. What are you talking about? Rape. Your son was witness to a rape. In Central Park,
1: you work with John Leguizamo in this uh, film, in, in this uh, series, and yeah. uh, you know John. Yeah. John's being very picky about what he's choosing to be in. Uh, as of these days, I, I understand he's also directing. Mm. So he's a veteran. He's a, a fellow Puerto Rican New Yorker. Uh, you're from Brooklyn. He's from yeah, Queens, absolutely. from Jackson Heights. What was it working yeah. like with him, and what did you learn as an actor from working with John Leguizamo?
2: Yeah, it was absolutely incredible working with him. I mean, he, the fact that he's a veteran sort of made itself evident not only in his acting but also in his approach to prep for the role. So I had the amazing opportunity to get dinner with with John and with Raymond and with Raymond's father and Freddie Miaris. And you know, what what would have sort of been a sort of halting conversation because I wouldn't have known what I was allowed to ask or what was you know what 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 might be seen as you know. Uh, impolite to ask. I was sitting at dinner with this absolute, you know, veteran of my, of my industry who, who knew exactly the right questions to ask, whose questions that he asked informed my acting. Um, So, so that was, that was an amazing opportunity, but also just, you know, I, I, I got to work with him as a scene partner and, and it was, it was a really unique experience. He's, he's really, really good at giving giving or rather he was really really good at giving me as an actor what I needed to, 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 to get where I needed to be. What you know? did
1: you need Marquis?
2: You know, that's, that's, that's a tough question. I, I, I think I, I needed, you know, he, he just does things with his eyes. He's just so present in a scene. Um, and it's really, it's really easy to, to sort of grasp the reality of the scene when you're when your when your scene partner is, is like that. So I, it's it's hard to speak on how incredible he is because it was sort of all unbelievable working with him. Um, but but it was it was an absolute gift really.
1: When did you get into acting?
2: Yeah, I flew I started when I was I guess I started professionally when I was about nine, I think.
1: What inspired you to get into acting? Was it your mom and dad that said, Hey, you should act or was it your friends? Was it a counselor? Or was it just you?
2: Yeah, it was it was just a weird sort of impulse I had when I was really young, I would watch movies and and television and and take on all of this, like, you know, take in all, you know, even cartoons and things like that. And I would just know that there was a human being behind it. I knew that there was, it was a decision that someone made to tell this story. It it felt like obvious to me that this was like a person playing a character. Um, And so at a really young age, I was really interested in what that was like. It all looked like, you know, the, my, the, I had the most access to to draw an equation between that and playing pretend, which was, you know, my favorite thing at that age. Um, so I, I, I right. just brought, I brought that sort of up with my mom and I, and I, and I, I, I asked her if there was anything I could do. And uh, my mom's an absolute genius and she's a warrior and she made it happen for me.
1: <laughs> That's awesome, man. As an actor of color, what's your journey been like through Hollywood so far?
2: Um, you know, I've been incredibly lucky. One of my, one of my first, um, one of my first jobs was was the Lion King. I did the national tour uh, for for almost two years when I was when I was younger, and I, and every single day for almost two years, I was watching people that looked like me do absolutely phenomenal things every single night, eight shows a week. Um, That's that, awesome. That man. was an incredibly empowering. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was an incredibly empowering experience uh, as a as a as an artist of color, as an actor of color to see uh, all of these adults, all of the adults in my life at that point, basically, uh, were, were doing were doing amazing, beautiful things, and they were doing all the sorts of things that I wanted to be doing when I was their age. Uh, so I, I actually got incredibly lucky uh, to have that experience and, and to sort of be reinforced in that way.
1: You know, it's interesting. Once I heard that, I believe you were like the second actor that got cast in uh, the prequel to Game of Thrones, and, and I think the first reaction in my head uh, was... Wow, they got a Latino brother in Game of Thrones. That's like what? That doesn't make any sense. Wait a minute, that doesn't fit right. And it start it started to make me think about the way television content and film content has changed in terms of the way we see things. Um, since you've mm. begin since you've begun acting, what changes have you seen about actors of color or filmmakers of color? that has become much more acceptable,
2: I would say. One of the biggest, you know, one of the things that upset me, the, has upset me the most about, you know, film and television in the past, especially we can just take like set things that are set in New York, for example, um, it's it's not realistic to, to have something set in New York and to have none of the principal characters, people of color. Um, it, it, that's that's not that's not the New York that I, I have never seen that in New York. Um, so I think that I, I think the difference now is that we're actually telling stories that that actually reflect the reality of just places and actually reflect the reality of of, of the sorts of people that we see in our lives every single day, um, and not some sort of distorted idea of what uh, you know of what a place could be or, or 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 what you know, specifically New York looks like. Um, so I think for me, that's one of the biggest changes uh, is, is that we're we're actually, telling sort of well-rounded, uh, stories in that way.
1: Where do you ultimately want to go with your acting?
2: <laughs> That's a big question. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's just, it's just really important to me to, to be able to tell the sorts of stories that mean something to me. Um, and I, and I think that, and I think that, you know, it's, it's one thing to tell, to tell, you know, a good story it's one thing one thing to tell the right story it's an an entirely other thing to tell it well um and to work with people that are able to to help you along that way um so i at the moment i'm just interested in, in in continuing working with people like ava duvernet who who are sort of unflinchingly telling the truth and who are unflinchingly uh leading you know the sort of leading the charge into, into, into telling stories like, like, you know, when they see us. Well, before I
1: let you go, um, I know you can't talk about Game of Thrones in any way, but I did want to ask you a personal question. When you found out that you were cast in the show, uh, and because of the impact that that show has had globally uh, as part of culture, society, uh, and basically everything else, uh, how did you celebrate the moment? Did you go out with friends? Did you tell your friends? Did what did mom and dad say? How did you rejoice in this? Was it a surreal moment for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, it was an incredible, it was an incredibly surreal moment. Um, there wasn't, there couldn't be much celebrating because I couldn't tell anyone when I found out. But, oh, so you didn't uh, share this with so, your friends or anything like that? No, no, no. I mean, I, I, I told my mom. <laughs> Uh, but that, but that was it. But I, I think that that was sort of enough for me because she's she's been with me every single step of the way of this journey for me. Uh, so sharing things with that—that's my first impulse anyway. Sharing things with her, um, and that was like kind of all the celebration I needed. Honestly, just to see the look on her face and 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 to know that she that she had had that bit of information. Um, but yeah, no, I'm just I'm just incredibly honored and incredibly excited.
1: That's awesome, Marquesa. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming on the show, talking a little bit about when they see us, about your acting career, and um, dude, I wish you the best of luck. I mean, (laughs) you're you've been hitting some major shows, man. Like you're a part of the Marvel (laughs) family, you're now part of the HBO family. Uh, You're hanging out with Ava DuVernay. You're young. Uh, Don't squander this in any way, man. We want you to, especially because you're, you're 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 a fellow Latino brother. Who we're all trying to get to be, you know, all of us trying to see more people of color on yeah. the screen, but specifically more Latino representation, since there's barely any. And the fact that you're one of those young guns um, making it, uh, you're quickly becoming a role model for all of us. So thanks again, and uh, and, uh, and and keep
2: with it, man. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. Seriously.
1: And that's it for episode 118 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I want to thank Marquise Rodriguez and Mike Sargent for coming on the show. And if you like to support the show, please spread the love on social media and tell all your friends about it. You can reach me on Instagram at jackrico and my Facebook page at JackRico40. Remember, it's only through your support that our show can grow. I'm Jack Rico. See you next week on another episode of Highly Relevant.